Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Now, digital payments are evolving, aren't they? With online payments becoming second nature when buying goods and services. The volume of pay now transactions in Singapore alone in January to October last year hit $64 billion. That's more than double and well above the $25 billion in the same period in 2020. But as fintech continues to revolutionize payments and digital commerce, fraudsters are evolving right alongside. According to an IBM report, the cost of a data breach hit record highs during the global COVID-19 pandemic, hitting $4.24 million per incident on average. With scams on the rise and more of us falling foul, falling victim to them, how can the industry rally to combat attacks? COO and co-founder of Tukitaki, which provides financial crime-fighting solutions, Jita Bandopade, joins us now to tell us more. Hi, Jita. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Jita, fraud has seen enormous growth, unfortunately, particularly in recent years. In part, its prominence, of course, has been driven by the explosive growth in the fintech sector that I was alluding to earlier. How has money laundering activity in the region evolved, though? Right. With digitization and new diverse technologies, you know, criminals now pursue innovative ways of committing crimes. The prevalence of financial crimes has increased, as you mentioned, and with that, the need for institutions to invest in adequate technologies and comply with regulations has also increased. So when it comes to money laundering, if we look at the stats, the United Nations estimates that the value of money laundering globally every year is between 2 to 5% of the total GDP, which uh, values around 800 billion to 2 trillion approximately. So as more potential avenues for money laundering and the number of financial crimes are increasing, regulators like FATF, which is Financial Action Task Force, and country governments have also increased oversight legislation. To cite an example of our very own Singapore, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, MAS, announced to introduce a digital platform named Cosmic, enabling a regulatory framework for financial institutions to share with one another relevant information on customers and transactions to prevent money laundering, terrorism financing and proliferation financing. So that's how I see the you know activity in the region has evolved. Mm. Much like hackers, these individuals also seem to be able to stay ahead of the financial institutions, right? Is there any way of staying ahead of the criminals? Of course, you know, there is definitely ways. I think the simple truth about fraudsters is that they are often very gifted liars, actually. So they are adept at developing social engineering scams in which they slowly build trust with an unsuspecting victim to later trick them into revealing sensitive information. So that's how, you know, the scams are becoming kind of, I would say, so vast. But from a financial crime point of view, if we look at solutions that how we can really fight this fraud stars, from that point of view, a community-driven approach or a shared community-driven framework rather than a siloed current approaches will be beneficial. That's what my personal opinion is. Because money laundering is a social level and all lead regulators, financial institutions or technology vendors like us or risk advisory firms need to come together for a safer and secure world. So purely from a technology point of view, if I want to talk, you know, Tukitaki's anti-money laundering solution is built on an ecosystem framework, which we call the hub. 
So the community-driven and the hub is like a growing repository of in-crime typologies. It can be money laundering, terrorist financing, or the fraud. And the repository is being contributed by email experts globally. So this kind of shared framework helps you to combat with the changing customer behaviors, actually, instead of fight, fighting in silos. And, you know, you are able to adapt seamlessly to these changes in the market, be it pandemic or be it post-pandemic, you know, the changes that we are seeing, and able to react to them in a much more efficient manner than you know, not reacting to them or being too late in outsmarting the fraud stug. So mm. that's how I would put it. What are some of the challenges that you face in terms of really operationalizing this community-driven approach? So the community-driven approach, as I mentioned, that, you know, all the entities need to come together. As earlier also mentioned, that from an MA standpoint, I think they are also trying to build this cosmic framework, which is a regulatory framework where, you know, really you can share transactions and basically customer level data. So that kind of a utility service. Now from a community framework, the challenges that we have is that, you know, to be an open mind to contribute, I think, patterns. So that's the major, I would say, the change. I won't say the challenge, but that's a change. And every change is difficult because it was before that or even today, you know, we operate on our own. So if I am a financial institution serving only SMEs, I would mostly be concerned about fraud and, you know, scenarios typical to that. But money laundering really doesn't happen like that. So it can stretch from an SME to an individual and versus via another individual to the corporate. So it's kind of a network. And if you really need to catch a network, you need to act together. So it cannot be looked into silo. So the major change, you know, the the entire ecosystem needs to develop because it is for the ecosystem. Need to develop is to have an open mind to, you know, share patterns, actually. So that share data. Right. So it's actually the humans that we need to work on, right, to open their minds and to make them more willing to do this and to be part of this approach. Right. Regionally, the topic of anti-money laundering is taking center stage more and more. And there have been some legal and regulatory developments aimed at tackling money laundering across the region. What more would you say is needed, though? So if I look at Singapore, you know, it adopts a very whole of government approach to combating money laundering or be it terrorism financing. So the effort is led by AML CFT steering committee comprising the permanent secretary of the Ministry of Home Affairs, permanent secretary of the Ministry of Finance and the MD of MAS actually. So if we look at our policy objectives, Singapore's policy objectives are, you know, very simple and but very clear like detect, deter, and prevent money laundering, associated predicate offenses, and terrorism financing. And the second one is protect the integrity of its financial system, because that's the main thing, because if you're able to protect, then you can protect the consumers who are part of that system and the ecosystem as a whole. So from an efforts point of view, if I look at that, what are the efforts that centered on? So mostly it's like having a sound and comprehensive legal institutional policy and supervisory framework, which is being worked on or evolved you know, as the market evolves. So I think that's been taken care of. Kind of an intolerance to corruption and efficient judiciary, close international cooperation with other jurisdictions. This would also help in the open-mindedness, which I said, of sharing patterns. The more you know, you develop this international cooperation, your sharing patterns evolve. And as you also 
since Singapore is building this utility service for firstly for the region, the cosmic, and maybe if it can stretch to globally as well, that would really help actually the financial institutions in the region and an established culture of compliance. That is how I would like to put it. Mm. But let's face it, there will always be organizations that don't put much effort into this, right? They might just tick the boxes, but then not really do the work that is required. What do you think needs to be done to get everybody on board? So I think it's like, you know, previously, you know, we have banks, now we have fintech in the region, which is leading the counterattack in the war against fraud, I think. So it's mostly the risk-based policies that I need to adapt I'm a bank or we am a fintech, you know, I think to bring everybody on board, I think that is very much essential. So it's not only the regulator coming and telling you to do that, but if you are a responsible financial institution in the region and you want to offer some products and services in the region, so you need to basically, you know, act responsibly as a culture of compliance, as I mentioned, and it cannot be looked as kind of an opposite to business because lot many times compliance and business are like in the opposite sides because, you know, various reasons. But I think it's the risk-based policy of the fintechs or the banks that they need to work on so that to bring everybody on board. And because of the risk policies cater to the regulations of the country, then everybody will be on board to share data, to share patterns and everything. That's what I believe. Jita, having the technology is one thing, but the integrity of your people is equally, if not more important, isn't it? I mean, if staff choose to circumvent the technology or ignore the alerts or, for example, not do due diligence when it comes to KYC, it would defeat the purpose of the technology, wouldn't it? Yes, I would say so. But generally, you know, there are certain things that you need to do if you need to operate. But there are various new ways of also looking at it. So if you look at integrity of the people with respect to technology, so mostly I think as humans, our intention from the very beginning is not, you know, like, kind of we want to do good actually because it's <laughs> for the society right so it's not like we want to act in a different way but you're I more optimistic than i am yeah but technology needs to be an enabler for the human beings that's how i look at it actually being a tech ai or a machine learning focused company technology needs to be an enabler so today if i look at or if i want to talk from an email or a fraud point of view purely from fin crime what happens is that generally i have well too many alerts and I have so many people and actually most of them end up being false positives. So it's like 90% and above are false positives. So I'm putting human beings into efforts or into managing alerts, which are meaningless actually, but I just have to do it. So if technology become an enabler, which means if the volume of alerts come down and the true positive rate increases or the false positive decreases, then I believe as humans, we are all motivated to fight this. I look at it like that. All right. Thank you very much for that insight, Jita. Jita Bandapade is COO and co-founder of Tukitaki. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.